as many of our UNT students face unexpected challenges and expenses related to the coronavirus, the new UNT CARES Fund is here to help them persevere. Gifts made to this special fund will meet short-term needs so our students can continue to have long-term success. Visit one.unt.edu slash UNTCares to make a gift today. Your generosity will go a long way in helping UNT students stay safe, healthy, and on track to graduate. You're listening to the Ollie at UNT Alumni Spotlight Series, presented by the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at UNT and the UNT Alumni Association. The Alumni Association is open to all friends of UNT who are interested in serving, supporting, and celebrating the university. To learn more, visit untalumni.com. To learn more about Ollie at UNT, please visit our website, olli.unt.edu. Now let's join our host, Ollie at UNT member, Susan Supak. This is Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, known to most of us as Ollie, in partnership with the UNT Alumni Association. The Ollie at UNT podcast presents the Alumni Spotlight series featuring exceptional alumni. This month's spotlight falls on Byron Campbell and the UNT Day at the Capitol 2021. Byron is a 2005 political science graduate from UNT and a 1999 to 2002 Mean Green football player and letterman. Go green! Byron is also a senior partner with Capital Insights, a Dallas-based legislative and business consulting firm, and has worked in every aspect of the governmental process, from running a congressional campaign to directing a nonprofit board. His years of experience in the political and government arena span all levels of the governmental process, from local and state to the federal level. Byron shares his expertise with UNT for the 2021 Day at the Capitol. Thank you, and welcome, Byron. Thank you, Susan. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. It's great to have you here. Tell us about this year's UNT Day at the Capitol. How does it compare with previous years? Well, the first word that jumps out at me is years. Last session in 2019, That was the first time for the Alumni Association and for UNT in general to have a Capitol Hill Day in Austin during their legislative session. So we only have one year to base it on. But as everyone can imagine, COVID has changed things quite a bit. And that includes how the legislature is conducting their business. As we speak here today, they're still trying to figure out exactly how they're going to allow visitors, how they're going to help their staff stay safe, and the elected officials, how they are going to remain healthy through this legislative process. So the Alumni Association of the University mid last year started looking at, okay, it's going to be clear that we probably aren't going to be able to take 500 students and alumni down to the Capitol live and in person to speak with the elected officials. So what they've come up with, I think is really unique and different. They came up with a letter writing program where they have identified 75 to 80 students and alumni that are going to handwrite letters to their respective representatives and senators and highlight what is important to them as alumni and students to make the elected officials aware of what it is that UNT's priorities are 
in the legislative process and the, and the funding process. So while we would love to be down there and be in front of these elected officials and their staff and, you know, have an opportunity to show some UNT pride and spirit, this is, I think, a really good alternative to what would be one more year building on the success of last session. Hopefully the 2022 day at the Capitol might be a little bit different, but the letter writing campaign sounds great. Can you tell me why it's so important for the students and the alumni to have a voice at the Capitol? Yeah, I think it's important for everyone to have a voice. We're all voters and constituents of the state of Texas. To take a step back and not to not to be too grandeur about this, but there's 30 million people that live in the state. There's 1,100 people, give or take, that move to the state every day. We are looking at a $112 billion available budget this session. So the adage of everything in Texas is bigger, it really does fit here. Texas is a huge state. There's a ton of huge public universities, not to mention all of the other issues that, that come in with business and commerce and transportation. I mean, there's international things with our port and obviously our border with Mexico. So the state really does have a lot on its plate. And then when you break down the legislative branch, and there are only 31 state senators. So it really becomes, and when you lump on top of that, we're a capital body that doesn't go into session, but every other year for 140 days. So when you start doing the math, that's a lot of stuff that needs to be addressed in a very short period of time. There isn't an advocate for any issue, much less, you know, let's take UNT out of it for a second. Any issue that doesn't have advocacy for it, there simply isn't enough time and there isn't enough bandwidth to get that information into the process. These members of the legislature, A, they're not professional members of government. These are part-time jobs. They have to have other jobs and other careers. This isn't a high paying deal that someone's going to go create a career on. So again, I apologize for speaking on this very long windedly, but it's vital for people to get down and get in front of their elected officials, other elected officials, and explain why certain things are important to them personally. All politics is local. And so when we can take a handful or 2000 alumni from a member's district and say, hey, we're your voters, we live in your district, and this is really important to us, that makes a really big impact with them. Again, they want to do and achieve anything and everything they can for their constituency, but they don't know what they don't know, just like anyone else, right? And so the more advocacy and the more awareness and the more visibility that UNT can have at the Capitol it's extremely vital. And elected officials love to hear from students. What's important to students is because they're the future, right? What they're learning right now at UNT is going to set the state up down the road 10 to 15 years. You know, listening to folks that are a little bit older, a little more established, not that it falls on deaf ears at all, but hearing from the youth and hearing from students that are dealing with the classes and the education right now, and they're saying, look, these are the things that will improve our lives right now. And even for kids that are coming up behind us, that goes a really long way to achieving our goals at what we want at UNT. I'm so glad we're speaking about this effort because, as you say, it's not only a good lesson for students to understand how decisions by the legislature affects the abilities of institutions to offer programs and resources, but 
it's such a clear example for them to see the impact that individual voices have on the state as far as shaping not only economic programs, but other things. And I think that's a terrific opportunity to say that to everyone, students, alumni, and all the citizens. Yeah, in this day and age, you know, I, we're recording this right now on the day of the inauguration and the, we're moving into a new administration. And I don't think it's, it's improper or even uncommon to, to acknowledge there's a lot of distrust with the government right now, just in general and on both sides of the aisle. And what I've really enjoyed working at the state level is, again, it's a cliche, but all politics really is local and each representative has a district of Texans that have unique and special interests to their district, whether it's urban or rural. We, we live in a state that's got multiple time zones and the state is so diverse. And again, having our voices heard and getting down there and just informing the legislature is just, it's such a vital part of our democracy. I'm, I'm, you know, I hate to sound philosophical, but last session I think was a fantastic example of that. Being around the students that came down, sharing a sandwich with them after it was over, these kids, you know, I don't know what they did in their four years or five years and what amazing things they got to accomplish and see. I can't tell you how many kids came up and said, this is the most amazing thing I've done in the four years I've been at UNT. This is the most important. Wow. I, I will never forget this day. And it's stuff like that, that, yeah, it really shows you, it gives you a sense of being a part of something as opposed to looking at that big granite capital and say, well, I don't, I have no idea what goes on in there. Those kids can say, you know what? I do know because I went and I, I advocated for my university and things that were important to me. So yeah, like I said, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox or a high horse at all, but it's real important for people, much less just our university and alumni to get involved in the democratic process. Certainly so. And as a hunch, I think that probably a lot of individuals think just that. What can I do? Ah, this is, it's legislature. It's the state. What am I? I'm just one voice. What does it matter? I can't control or affect anything, but obviously we can, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the more that you go down and the more that you're a part of the process, you realize that it's people, right? Elected officials and staff, they're people. They're just like us that want to know, that are curious. They want to learn. They want to be able to, so, I mean, I was a staffer for a long time in the federal government for United States Senator and on Capitol Hill in DC. And it's a feeling of service. You feel like you're doing something for the good of everyone. I think that that, that goes a long way. That mentality of the staffers and the elected officials, they want to serve their constituency and their voters. And going down there and taking the time just to sit with staff and explain, hey, this is who I am. This is my address. These are the things that are important to me. It really does have an impact. Well, I think the beauty of working, as you say, there in the office on the staff is you get to see by firsthand experience that each letter is opened and each letter is read and each letter does make an impact. No, that's exactly right. Just as an example, when I worked for Kay Bailey Hutchison for six years and the amount of, of mail and calls that we would get for, for any issue, whether it was something that was controversial or not, at the end of the day, she wanted to know, okay, where are we on this? And there were several times where it got to a point where we got so many calls and so many messages that she changed her mind on issues because that's what her voters wanted. And again, it's, it's communicating with offices. 
as a staffer, you do, you get through and you see how important some of these issues are to the constituency and to advocacy groups that you wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know anything about these advocacy groups if they had not come to my office and explain why this particular bill or why they need this type of funding. Are there guides for people to get started in writing letters, like who to write to and how the letters should be drafted within this Day at the Capitol campaign, but also in general? Well, as far as the Day for the Capitol campaign, the university's already identified the folks that are going to do that because those letters are going to go out here, uh, let's see, probably within the next couple of weeks. They're going to be delivered mid-February, as last I was told. As far as reaching out to your members, literally just type into Google, who represents me? And there are a number of different sites. You just type in your address or your zip code, and it'll identify from city council all the way up to federal government who represents you. And I absolutely do. I encourage people to pick up the phone and call and let their voice be heard, write letters, obviously maybe not show up these days, but when it's safe to show up and schedule an appointment and get to know where their member sits on certain issues and explain to them what issues are important to you. And so that's where I would start because it can get really confusing as a city council member, school board members, and then you've got the state reps, state senators, then you've got Congress and the United States senators. So there are a number of different tools you can find online that can quickly identify who represents you. And then even further, that will show you how they voted on certain things and what their platforms are. And it can turn into a little bit of a rabbit hole, but you feel, at least I do, you feel a more educated citizen as to who is it that represents me and why. Absolutely. It sounds like we could all use a refresher civics course, Byron. Are you busy? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's funny you say that. This is not a slight to the University of North Texas or the political science department at all. I think this is more of the path that I chose when I got my degree was much more in philosophy and history, that kind of bend. But yeah, I got a degree in political science and my internship, my first internship out of college was in D.C., in a congressional office. And it was almost like going back to college, just learning not how quote unquote, how a bill gets passed, but the intra-politics of committees and things like that in the floor process. I absolutely agree. I think civics is something we could lean back on for sure. Last year, when you went for the day of the Capitol and you had the students there with you face to face, did you hear any stories that they talked about ways in which UNT has changed their lives or made an impact on their future that you'd like to share? Yeah. Going back to what I said earlier, the thing that struck me was how excited, I mean, you know, they took buses from Denton to Austin. I think they left at like six o'clock in the morning and these are all students and drove to Austin to take part in this event. As being out of college for several years, I wasn't sure what the the reception would be from the students. And they were so excited. And again, they told me several times, this is the most exciting and impactful thing I've done in my four years at UNT. As far as changing their lives, that kind of gets into the reason we're down there, right? Is the university needs special item funding for special projects. Without those projects, without certain types of funding, there are no additive manufacturing programs. There are no TAMS programs. And so you can see that without those programs, those students are going somewhere else. Those students are going to universities that do offer those programs and those degrees. So that's what I see. Then when you see a program like the additive manufacturing, 
program being filled up. There's students that have already graduated from the university with those specialties. That's where you see like, okay, we got that. We got one of our special item requests, you know, the $10 million for the, the additive manufacturing program. If, and, you know, you can't prove a negative. You can't say, well, you would have gotten that anyway. We went down there and we got a special item. And so that's, I guess, the thing that I took away with it is we were down here and explaining what it was that was important to the university, explaining our special needs, and we got one. And now there's students that are going through that program right now that didn't exist before that. And I think it's those types of examples in my mind that really make all of this very worth it. It does. Is this unique to UNT or do other universities have similar programs? No, this is not unique to UNT. And again, to back up a bit, I joined the Alumni Association uh, on the board of directors, I think in 2012. And one of my first goals was to figure out what do we do for, for Capitol Hill Day and found out that we didn't. Other universities absolutely do. Actually, University of Texas and Texas A&M have an Aggie Longhorn Day. <laughs> Obviously, they're huge rivals, but they go in locked arm in arm and they flood the Capitol with maroon and orange that day and they dominate it, right? And so it's a really big deal for both of those universities. It always has been. Texas Tech, University of Houston, every university has a day like this. That's why I'm so happy and excited that we've changed that and UNT is now part of it. I've actually I had a couple friends of mine that work in the Capitol that came up to me and because we had we brought the band in and the band went and played in one of the open air rotundas and you could hear it throughout the Capitol and it sounded amazing. I had a couple friends that work at and represent some other universities that said, well, okay, you just up the ante. I've got to beat this somehow this year. It's one of those things that if you're not there, it's very glaring. Every university that I can think of, public and private, has a day where they come down and they represent the university very loudly and very proudly. I'm very proud that UNT is now a part of that. Yeah, good to hear. So as you look at what these other universities have been able to achieve doing this over the years, what do you see on the horizon for UNT? That's a great question. Hopefully bigger and better. I was amazed by what the Alumni Association was able to do their first time doing this last session. President Smotrisk and our chancellor, they did a fantastic job. I thought it was great. And again, you know, look, we are where we are with the pandemic, but building on that success, it's only going to become greater. I would love to see us partnering with maybe a Houston, maybe a Texas Tech, that we can then get a bigger, bigger presence and make it a bigger day down the road. When you partner with the University of Texas and, and A&M, it really is a sight to behold. They come in in full force and they do it on purpose, right? They're one and two back and forth on the biggest universities in the state. And it's to show that. It's to say, hey, this is us. We're here, the two biggest institutions. So I think it would be great if we could partner with the Houston or a Texas Tech and do something similar where we come in and say, okay, we may not be the biggest, but these are the things that we represent and leverage each other's contacts that way. So those are the types of things I would love to see UNT get involved in as the sessions come. Sounds like it'd be exciting to be there and watch the students, especially with the band playing like you had. Mm -hmm. Terrific. So as I understand it, UNT is the fifth largest university in the state. Right now, is that reflected in the amount of educational funding we receive? Yes and no. The way that it works, and 
I have a, a mile wide knowledge of the funding appropriations process for higher ed, but it's an inch deep. So if we get too far into this, it's very complicated. And it's very complicated from even the, you, you talk to staff and, and the elected officials that go through the process. But through the appropriations process, there's a formula funding that distributes general fund dollars to higher ed. Now, higher ed is not a constitutionally mandated budget item. It's discretionary. So that means it can it comes and goes every year, depending upon tax receipts, depending upon the, the forecast of the budget and the economy. So it kind of comes and goes. The other part of that is depending upon what types of classes and what types of programs your school offers. So if you're just like a liberal arts school that does English classes and journalism, and you're not going to get as much funding as say it's more technical, scientific driven, or say a nursing school. So there are some percentages that are dialed into what classes you're offering. So in that regard, it's basically the same for most public universities on the general funding. And each state university is essentially, not essentially, it is a state agency. It's an agency of the state because the state is providing most of the dollars that fund the university. Where it starts to get different, or it starts to get, I don't want to use the word inequality, but it's the special items, right? There are special items that each university is putting in for. Again, we had a list of them last session, and we have a list of them this session from the additive manufacturing to TAMS to a number of other issues that they're pushing for. Those don't get, well, <laughs> sparse my words here. Universities like University of Texas and A&M historically get a much bigger share of their requests than does the University of North Texas. That could be a whole other podcast as to why. <laughs> and I'm not here to point fingers. There's no blame. But as the fifth biggest university in the second biggest state in the country, you know, we're a top 25 university in the country as far as size goes. It's my opinion. I mean, again, I'm not an elected official. I don't work for the university. It's my opinion that we do not get our fair share of our special item requests. But that's where this comes in. And that's where the advocacy comes in. That's where we do a letter writing campaign. That's where you get into the office of your elected official and say, hey, I'm an alumni from UNT. There are 1,200 of us that live in your district. This is really important to us. How are you going to vote on it? It's that type of grassroots effort that is going to change that. If you've ever been a part of any meeting, whether it's a volunteer or you're part of a board, if you aren't at the meeting, you don't get what you want. And I know that sounds very simplistic and elementary, but there isn't anyone banging the table when they're putting the budget together. There's no one in the room banging the table for North Texas. It just doesn't happen. And it, that's not any malice on the part of elected officials. It's just nature. That's just how it works. And that's not to say that we don't have amazing advocates for us in the Capitol. Senator Nelson, Senator Royce West, Senator West is a huge advocate for the University of North Texas. And so we have advocates that go to bat for us, but at the same time, it takes the heft of the alumni. I mean, depending upon what numbers you look at, there's a hundred thousand alumni in and around DFW that graduated from UNT. We should have a lion's share of our requests, but that it starts with the students. It starts with Capitol Hill Day. And I think that we're on the right path. I think last session was a great session for UNT. It's a great session for higher ed. They raised their contributions to higher ed by a billion dollars. 
So it's more of a banging that drum nonstop of, hey, don't forget about us. Hey, we're here. These are the things we need. We've got 40,000 students here. And it, it's an education campaign. It's making them aware of who UNT is and what it is we can do. So that's a very long-winded answer of, yes, we get the same in the general fund, but the special item requests that come outside of the general funding of higher ed, historically, we've not been getting what it is we've been asking for. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, as my mother yeah, you, used to you, say. <laughs> you nailed it. That's absolutely, that's absolutely right. Well, that was really helpful for me to understand how all of that works and how the money goes and all of that. So let's talk a minute about your company, Capital Insights, because you obviously know how a lot of this works. And as I mentioned in the introduction, it's a legislative and business consulting firm based right in this Dallas area. Can you tell us about what it is you do on a regular basis when you're not helping us out at UNT? <laughs> yeah, we're a legislative and business consulting firm. That's a very fancy way of saying that we're lobbyists. I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm a lobbyist. I know that that, can, that has a negative connotation at some points. But again, I think what I've been talking about today, it's about advocacy. And we help our clients advocate for their needs and wants in the legislature. That can be trying to make sure some of our folks remain open during a pandemic or that tax credits or, and it goes from the local level to the state level to the federal level. I can't tell you how many former city council members that we've known that have gone on to the House or the Senate and then now they're Congress. And I, I go back to my politics as local. And that's one reason why we're based in Dallas. I get a lot of questions of, well, why aren't you in Austin? Well, Austin, they're only in session every other year for 140 days. For the rest of the time, they're at home with their constituency. And up here in Dallas-Fort Worth, there's a lot of members that are up here. So we get to know them and their staff and get to get a lot of FaceTime with them in the interim. But yeah, we advocate for clients. We try and, and do our best. And you know, obviously, we can't ever guarantee an outcome. That would be um, unethical. And just it's just not true. You never, once you get into the process of the legislature, there's so many mitigating circumstances that can happen. It's really hard to steer outcomes, but we've been doing it for about 10 years now. My dad, Drew Campbell, is my business partner. And like I said before that, I worked in the federal government. So taking those things that I learned there and try to apply them to the state and local stuff. But it is, it's a full-time job, especially now that we're in COVID. It's someone much smarter than I did uh, said that you're not working from home, you're living at work. And that... <laughs> That kind of feels that way now that session's in, that it's nonstop. But it, I find it really rewarding and exciting because you get to see, you get to look back and see laws that were changed or that were put in place that you had a small part of because, you know, I'm not an elected official, uh, so I can't vote for any of these things. But, you know, you can help educate and, and advocate for certain things. So it's rewarding to look back and see your little tiny fingerprint on something that, that may have happened during session. Yeah, it has to be. I can't tell you how many times you and your company have crossed my mind in the last couple of weeks knowing that I was going to be speaking with you because this has been such a uh, an interesting time for us all across the country. And also with the COVID situation, I can't imagine what it must be like to be someone like you in that sort of arena. It has been trying. I will admit first couple months, it was, it was nerve wracking because most of what we do, a lot of what we do 
is a lot of FaceTime. It's a lot of, it's personality driven. It's, it's relationship driven. And when it was kind of unsure of how this is going to work, it was a little nerve wracking, but I feel like we've pivoted really well. We're doing much like everyone else. We're doing everything very much virtually in a very interesting turn. People have become more accessible because they don't have to travel. We don't have to travel. It's you just pop on a WebEx and you can be in front of just about any elected official that's got the time for it. It'll be interesting to see how this session goes because session is, it's a full court press for 140 days. And we don't plan on being in Austin until maybe March at the earliest, which is halfway through session. So it's going to be a lot of, now it falls back onto our relationships and who can we get on the phone? Who can we text with, whether it's staff or elected officials on our different items and things that our clients are concerned about? Every day is a, it's a learning curve for us, and we're trying to stay ahead of the curve and create unique opportunities to meet new people as opposed to just cold calling an office. So it has, it's every day is new, and we're looking forward to things getting back to normal, hopefully here in the next couple of months. Byron, as we wrap up, what is it that you would like people to know in terms of the importance in communicating their primary concerns and interests to all levels of government? That your voice really does matter. I think this last election has shown that every vote does matter. Every member of the House, of the legislature, of the Senate, both congressionally and in the state, they're people and they value your opinion. You're a voter, you're a person in their district. It goes a lot further then you would realize to make the time to pick up the phone or to go visit someone's office. If you're not interested in that, find a city council person or a state rep that is your state rep and get involved that way. If you want to volunteer in a a political campaign, I tell you what, that's how you can see how things are done and, and really how hard these folks work. And the thing that people forget about a lot is the staff behind it. Getting involved in, and being a part of the process, it does feel like to you know my friends outside of the political and government realm, that it feels like it's an area or arena that's inaccessible. And it's the exact opposite. Once you get in, you realize, I want to be a part of this more. And it gives you the education and the understanding of how the process works and how Again, your advocacy and your voice really can have an impact. Thank you so much talking about this and explaining it to us. It's just been a really educational and motivating conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you, Byron. Well, Susan, thank you. I really appreciate it. This has been Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas with Byron Campbell. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go back and listen to our previous interviews, which you can find on our website, olli.unt.edu slash podcast, or by searching for the Ali at UNT podcast in your favorite podcast app. While you're in the app, don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating. We also encourage you to share our podcast with your family and friends. 